0: service means doing that for which you will not get credit. Doing it not because it'll be good on the Instagram or great on the Facebook post, but simply because it will bless others.
1: Welcome to the Bethany Lutheran Sermon Podcast for the week of March 21st, 2021. This is the fifth Sunday in Lent, and today Pastor Kevin Kreitzer shares a message entitled, And Then Some, from Mark chapter 10. The key verses for today are in the show notes.
0: I suppose this is one that uh, James and John might say if they were with us, oh, nothing to see here, move along. You know, when anyone ever says nothing to see here, there's something really to look at, right? James and John are not captured in the best light in this account, are they? Though, you know, had we been reading Mark chapters 8 through 10 successively in one day, rather than breaking it up a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit there, throughout the season of Lent, it wouldn't surprise us, to be honest. None of the disciples come off very well in this portion of Scripture. We find Jesus doing what he's been doing all along. He's heading again to Jerusalem. And as they're walking, Jesus is talking And once again telling them about his upcoming passion. Yes, once again. The 8th chapter of Mark concludes with uh, the recording of Peter's confession of Jesus. You are the Messiah. Only, of course, right after that, Jesus tells the twelve that he would be rejected, condemned, and killed. Uh, And Peter's confession changes into an attempted correction. You know the story, right? He says, no way, Jesus. That'll not happen to you. Get behind me, Satan, is the sentence that follows that. Immediately after that event is when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain, that of transfiguration, on the way down. Jesus says to those who have seen the fullness of his glory that they will soon see him in misery. He'll be rejected, killed, betrayed. And before Mark puts the final period on that chapter, the ninth chapter, he records the disciples' reaction. This time they say nothing. They don't challenge him. They don't question him. There are no complaints And you might almost think, wow, the disciples are getting it. And then Jesus asked them, why are you guys so quiet? What were you talking about on the road as we were walking here? And it is revealed that as Jesus was telling them about his future torture, they were comparing notes to find out who was superior among the disciples. To double down on the irony of that, The only thing Mark records between those two events is a man whose son is ill, possessed by a demon, who brings his child to the disciples who are still at the bottom of the mountain while Jesus and the trio are at the top, so that they might heal him and drive out the demon. And they fail. They can't do it. So how do you think that conversation went about who is the greatest? Yeah, I know I couldn't cast out that evil spirit either, Matthew, but at least I had the proper hand motion. Oh, come on, Philip. Your Hebrew is terrible. Your Aramaic isn't all that solid. It's like you haven't even been listening to the master. Had I not been walking down the mountain with Jesus, I could have done it. Oh, get behind us, Cephas. I'm not sure, but I'm certain that conversation doesn't sound any better than this present one. So James and John pull Jesus aside. They begin with proper etiquette, we notice. Rabbi, that is master. And no sooner do they utter the words than they turn them upside down. Master, we want you to do for us that which we want. They would make their master their servant. And so now it's on three occasions. In three successive chapters of Mark's gospel that take up about three uh, three pages in your average Bible, that Jesus has told his disciples that he will become a servant, a suffering one, and that he would do that which no one would dare ask, except the Father, to become the perfect offering, the sinless sacrifice, to atone for the guilt of every one of us, and to suffer God's wrath in the place of each one of us. I came not to be served, he says, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Thanks to uh, police officer dramas uh, and the like, we're familiar with how ransoms work, right? Ransoms free captives and restore relationship with family. Jesus has come To free them. Think of the things he's freeing them from right here in these three short chapters. He's freeing them from the times they have mouthed the lines of Satan. He's freeing them from the times they have looked down on a brother in order to elevate their own importance. He's freeing them from the times they have ignored their abject failures. He's freeing them from the times they have tried to hide things from their God. For all their guilt, he becomes a holy ransom. He becomes the source of a restored relationship with God and with each other. And he becomes the pattern of what true service means, but not for them alone. We live in these three chapters, don't we? We know what it is to speak the lines of the adversary. We know what it is to think we're more important than those sitting with us even in worship. We know what it is to ignore our own failures. We know what it is to try to hide things from God, even though from Him nothing can be hid. And so for us, Jesus becomes a holy ransom to free us, to restore our relationship with our God and with each other, and to give us a pattern of what true service means. Worldly greatness is found in superiority and ruling, says Jesus but that won't be the case among you. Kingdom greatness is found in sacrifice and in serving. You know, you can write a book about leadership and get all kinds of royalties for it and not actually be a leader. You can claim to be a servant, but if it's all about yourself, it's just empty talk. And while perhaps not as crass as the sons of Zebedee, Disciples in each and every generation after that have confessed that God is on the throne only to try to get him to do what it is they want. Like the brothers in our text and the other dozen of the followers, we too are born captive to our own wants, our own desires, our own preferences, And even when it's clear that we are no better than anybody else, we find a way to claim that we're the smartest, most spiritual, most insightful, simply the best. So our God comes to serve us, and then some. He comes to ransom us, to restore us, to himself, to one another, and to our true purpose. To follow his pattern. To serve. Serving is not about us. If it were, that would be called self-serving. Correct? Serving is about him. And our Lord teaches us in just one sentence what it's all about. Service means doing that for which you will not get credit and may not get noticed. Doing it not because it'll be good on the Instagram or great on the Facebook post, but simply because it will bless others. Kingdom service is not about seeking repayment. It's willingness to follow the way of the Master, to suffer so that others will not suffer to take the place of a bondservant, to become the lowest that others might be lifted up, willing to be captive to rumors or gossip or slander so that a brother or sister might be set free. For such, Christ has set us free, and then some. Amen. We pray. Almighty God, make us servants like unto yourself, not those who would ask you to do what we want, or who would feign serving in order to find ourselves getting credit. Make us servants like yourself, who come not to be served but to serve, even if it means giving ourselves as a ransom for many.
1: In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message can be found at www.bethanylutheran.org. If you would like to support this podcast, or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562-210-0463. Join us next week as Pastor Kyle Blake shares a message with us.